faithandgoodcounsel.com presents Pondering Things Catholic with Father Paul Gross. Father Paul is a particular witness of mercy, faith, and virtue with a gift for seeing the connections of faith, health, and daily life struggles in and through the heart of Christ. I'm your host, Stacy Galino. I'm so excited about our topic today, Father Paul, 10 Commandments for Those Who Struggle with scrupulosity. Where did you find this little jewel? Well, several years ago, I attended a mission in Louisiana by uh, Fathers of Mercy, Father Wade Menendez. And one of the things he preached on was uh, this Ten Commandments on those who struggle with scrupulosity. And I, he had a handout with it, and I grabbed it <laughs> oh. right away, and I've kept it all these years. That's a big word, scrupulosity. scrupulosity. I bet someone's going... What is that? What are they talking about? I know what the Ten Commandments are, but I don't know what scrupulosity is. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not going to, I can't give you a textbook definition, but I will give you what I experience, especially confession with people that I can pick it up. It can be associated with an harshness with themselves, a lack of seeing God as a good father, but rather as more of a, of, of, condemning judge, um, and they often will be very critical and condemning towards themselves, especially when it comes to rather small sins or things that aren't even sins themselves, you know, aren't even sins, but yet they confess them, and it's almost as if you can see it in their body language if they're sitting in front of me that they feel like this is a mortal sin, you know, and it's just binding, Mm -hmm. right? It's walking around, it causes anxiety, it could cause a sense of I can never be good enough. I can never be good enough, and I'm not just, worthy of God's love. Yeah, yeah, and so you're just walking around with that underlying belief, and it can be just what I just like enslaving. You mm-hmm. know, it's not to walk in the joy and the freedom of being a son or daughter of God. It's walking around on pins and needles, and always feeling like everything I do is, is somehow, I guess you can say, is wrong. You know, yeah, it's sinful. It can never be good enough. He's out to get me. It's yeah. not gonna. It's not gonna measure up. And there's a lot of black and white thinking. It's all or nothing thinking in this kind of manifestation, wouldn't you say? Of what can be in the OCD spectrum, mm-hmm. um, which there's some biologic basis for that. But what we're talking about today may or may not be in that space. Maybe someone that you do see needs some psychiatric care. Needs some psychological counseling sure but a lot of times that may not be the case and that's one of, i don't want to preempt but that's one of the the, the ten commandments but a, a good place to start especially if they're in the realm of religiosity would be with a priest mm-hmm. who can very quickly determine yeah right? oh exactly what i often ask people if i kind of can sense that in somebody i'll ask them to you know do you believe anything that you just confessed was gravely sinful or mortal sin and they may say well i don't know father but just in case though um yes you know or maybe this and from my perspective i I usually will tell them well nothing that would be if they didn't confess anything that would be gravely sinful or 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 mortal i will tell them well nothing you confessed i'm just going to be very objective with you here and very um, blunt nothing you confessed was mortal or grave and so that helps them maybe see the fact that I do struggle with some scrupulosity, mm. and I can be very, very critical of myself and very harsh when it comes to. I'm, by no means am I downplaying sin, even venial sin, 
but at the same time, you know, taking something that may be a very small, even involuntary venial sin and thinking somehow this is enough to cut me off from the friendship and the great salvific grace of our Lord is a skewed way of mm-hmm. looking at it. Of course, mm-hmm. when it comes to mortal sin, you have three things, something that's objectively grave, something that's done with full knowledge of doing it, and then something that's done in in, in the freedom, right? It's not uh, pressure. Also, psychological hindrances can come in as well, but a sense of freedom, a sense of full knowledge, and then also something that's objectively grave. And when one of those things is not there, well, then it's not a mortal sin. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a venial sin. And how do we get to that point, too? It's when our conscience is sharpened, right, through different hurts and different wounds that we may have or different even the psychological uh, hindrances like OCD, um, being healed from those things, you know, help bring us to that place of truth, right? The place of truth when something truly is mortal, something is truly uh, venial. And again, that that can come with the counseling of others, right? right? Having others show you, no, no, this is not was not a mortal sin, you know. Right. And so a history of trauma can play into this. There are yeah, a lot of things. There is you know, a lot within, of things. There are a lot of things that can play into this. One one thought, Father, before we jump into this list, is that I could so see having worked with, um, uh, you know, on another end of this um, with people, a person, whether a man or a woman, leaving leaving you or another priest from the, whether it be the confessional or, or pastoral counseling, going, well, I didn't explain it just right. He didn't really hear me just right. Mm-hmm. If I had only said this or that, then he would have let me know that this was mortal. And can, you just it just doesn't end. It doesn't end. You just yeah. continue to split the hairs, and it, the person is truly in agony. It's agony. It really is agony. It's definitely agony. So, That's a good way to put it. It really is an agony for them. So I'm I'm really happy that we're talking about this because there are not a negligible number of people who suffer with scrupulosity. Yeah. So what is it that the Fathers of Mercy are telling us about the Ten Commandments for those who struggle with scrupulosity? Well, the first one for the Ten Commandments, the first one is... Um, Things that for folks that recognize in themselves, you know, that I do struggle with scrupulosity, how do I respond to that? Uh, The first one is this do not repeat prayers, uh, no matter how badly they may have been prayed, even if the prayers were given to you as a penance during the sacrament of reconciliation. That's a big one, right? Is it feeling like, especially if I get distracted in my prayers? People will, I mean, come to confession with that distraction, and and they will just be overwhelmed by that sin of being distracted in prayer. And this is saying, don't repeat the the prayer. Just keep going, right? If you get distracted in praying your rosary, if you get distracted in your penance that a priest gave you and and saying this many Our Fathers or Hail Marys, don't go back and redo it. Because again, that can just be agony for people. And so much right. anguish. I got to go back again. I got to start over my rosary. Start over. Didn't count. And they can just beat themselves to a pulp. Right. And the Lord doesn't want us. Doesn't want He's us. So much like more that. merciful yeah, so than much that. So much more than right. that. Right? He wants joy in our hearts. And so to recognize when we catch ourselves in distraction in these different prayers, recognize I'm distracted. Pick up where you're going and just keep going with the prayer that you began to say. Don't go back and and start over again, right? That just makes it torture. And what the Lord is looking for is just your love, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that you're there and you're praying is an act of love. And every time we get distracted from those prayers and we come back and continue with what we were doing without going back, we're making an act of love. 
towards right. him, you know. So And you could even say, Oh Lord, you know, this is what I have to do. Oh Lord, you know my mind wandered again, but you know that I love you. You know that I'm gonna jump back mm-hmm. on it. I'm thinking about this too, Father. If someone is you say to them, Do not repeat the prayers, and they absolutely cannot not repeat the prayers. That might be a situation. It might be an indicator where someone might need some outside help Absolutely. outside you know, in conjunction with their work with you. If someone is able to hear that and able to say, okay, they can make some efforts toward that goal and begin to see some progress. They still may need some outside help, but that kind of tells you where we're going to get to one of these here later on in the commandments of where pride might be. <laughs> have rearing its head uh, a little I was bit. Say, yeah. but, but there could be some people that are kind of on the line or just have a, a harsh maybe maybe from some trauma, from some family of origin issues, or maybe just an inordinate understanding of what our faith teaches. It might mm-hmm. just be an educational issue. And yeah, in, in a true. way. So you oh, just true. you kinda have to get to the root of that. And I know that's something that you do uh, in your pastoral <clears throat> counseling and in your, your ministry mm-hmm. with your flock. But um, you know, do not repeat Prayers, that's a, that's a checkbox that someone maybe can't check. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Absolutely. And we need to get to the whys and the root why, of that. Why can't, why can't you exactly? Why? And that's, again, as it was something I would explore with somebody, and as much as I would be able to in like a pastoral counseling setting, you know, maybe yeah. in conjunction with a therapist, trying to help them be free of that, that chain of yes. not able to... Not go back and repeat, right. you know, if you if you messed up or if you got the distracted. The Lord did not stay in agony in the garden, right? <laughs> the resurrection came. The resurrection so came. I like that. So number two, uh, going on from number one, number two, do not repeat the confession of sins that have already been confessed and which have never been recommitted. Mm, that's that's a big one. That's and loaded. I will get people who come in and say, well, Father, I've already confessed this. Uh, but I would just want to confess it again. And then I'll say, stop right there. <laughs> Why do you feel like you need to confess it again? Well, I don't feel like I'm forgiven. And I said, well, there's, there's a lack of trust in the power of the sacrament. There's a lack of trust in God's mercy there that may be addressed, you know, that needs to be addressed in your life. Or maybe you haven't forgiven yourself. And that mm-hmm. may be a step that we need to take. Or maybe um, your expectation of what you might feel in conjunction with just what's simply uh, true, whether we feel it or not. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, it has nothing to do with the feelings, you know, that even if we feel, if we still feel the, the guilt from that sin, there may be some healing that needs to take place, but the, the sin is already forgiven through the power of the sacrament. And Praise you just have Jesus 100% yes. <laughs> confidence in that, in the authority of the church, in the authority our Lord has given our church and his apostles that that sin is forgiven. And we'll get to contrition a little bit later, but as long as we have an inkling of contrition, even if it's just the fear of hell, that is enough for the Lord to forgive the sin, and we need to trust in that and not walk around, even if we feel like we're not forgiven, as if, well, until I feel forgiven, then that means the Lord hasn't forgiven Mm. me, which is not true, Mm. not true. You know what, it reminds me so much of the Pharisees that we're talking about. In some respects, we think of the Pharisees and we think, oh, those people. But really, we can be Pharisaical, is that the right Mm -hmm. word, with ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Isn't this what we're talking about, (laughs) kind of? (laughs) Yeah, with ourselves, absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. We can be rigid, you know, in in the way we see things, in the way our image of who God is, in our image of who God is, and 
in his mercy, right? We, we're putting limits on his mercy if we come back and confess something again. Right. If we haven't recommitted it, we're putting limits and saying, well, no, it, it was, the sin was so big, I need to go to confession twice for it, you know, like, or three times, or no. When can it be enough? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Know, you um, know, so broken God images equal broken images of me. Of me, yeah. Yep, that's So it. much. And Satan he can't affect God, but he can affect what God has created. And so distorting our image of ourselves and distorting our image of who we are in the sight of God, he can run with that, right? Because mm-hmm. those images, from that flows our thoughts, and from our thoughts and feelings flow our behavior. And if he can keep us enslaved, that's exactly what he wants us that's to do. Exactly. Because as long as we're enslaved, we can't follow Jesus to the fullest. So number two, yes, don't repeat those sins. Number three, if you doubt the earnestness of your sorrow in confession, consider the sorrow as having been adequate, right? So here's again, going into, was I really sorry? Am I really sorry for this sin? The Father's of Mercy saying, if you go in in confession and you're doubting the sorrow, you're simply walking into that confessional, confessing that sin, right, is enough, is truly enough. It doesn't have to be perfect contrition, and I think this is very key. You may tell yourself it has to be perfect, but the church says it doesn't, right? And so there's the pride coming in. Mm-hmm, <laughs> the church mm-hmm. says, no, it doesn't have to be perfect contrition. Even if it is a sense of a fear of hell, it is enough. It is enough. Or even, so, even people can say, well, my heart felt really sorrowful, but I was I was too happy when I was saying my confession. I, I didn't express yeah. the amount of... It was ne- I mean, you can just... I wasn't hard enough I, on myself. I wasn't hard <laughs> enough on myself. It's never ending. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad. Horrible. It's very sad. That's why it, it can be a trap. You know, it's a oh, hamster yeah. running on the wheel. And I think until we can recognize it and respond differently to it, which is why we're doing this podcast... Can we jump off of that wheel, right? Yes, um, you can. And head head towards that, that gate <laughs> We're of inviting you greater to do freedom. So. Greater freedom. So number three, that sorrow is simply enough. Number four, if you're doubtful as to whether a past action committed was sinful, mention it simply to your confessor. And people will do this. Father, I don't know if this is a sin or not, but I'll just confess it. And allow somebody with a more objective who Here's confessions, you know, hours and hours and hours of confession. Allow them to uh, help guide you in whether this was a sin, the degree maybe, you know, if it was something that was grave or something that was just venial, um, or if it wasn't, it wasn't a sin. Allow them to to let you know. And so, and being um, open to receive what they tell open, you yeah. as the words of Christ, mm-hmm. right, to your heart that's so hurting and dying to be freed. Absolutely. Open to receive it. Just a crack is all just he a needs. Crack. <laughs> So number five, if you worry that maybe you never confessed a certain sin from the past, consider it confessed. If you know for a fact that you have never confessed that sin, then confess it simply. The Holy Spirit does not torment us with doubts or guilt. Rather, he always brings peace as he awakens our conscience to our sins. So if you worry that maybe you never confessed a certain sin from the past, Consider it confessed. If you know for a fact that you have never confessed that sin, then confess it simply. So we don't have to be dramatic about it. Oh my gosh, Father, guess what I did 40 years ago. Exactly. Goodness. Exactly. The scripture quote they have here from uh, 2 Corinthians, St. Paul, chapter 7, verse 10. Indeed, sorrow for God's sake produces a repentance without regrets. 
leading to salvation, whereas worldly sorrow brings death. Uh, That's a beautiful passage when it comes to struggling with scrupulosity. Sorrow, right, a repentance with sincerity of heart, right, because we know we did something wrong in the sight of the Lord, leads to salvation, right, which is freedom. Which is that freedom, freedom, right? Whereas worldly sorrow brings that sense of death. And I think that's where the scrupulosity comes in. St. Paul says this, just look at the fruit of this sorrow, which stems from God. What a measure of holy zeal it has brought you. These two different kind of ideas of sorrow, right? Sorrow in light of mercy and sorrow in light of, I guess you could say judgment and criticism Mm -hmm. of oneself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those two things are... One draws us more into the heart of Christ Mm -hmm. and one, I would say of our own actions draws us further away us not further the lord away. he's always there right with us waiting absolutely is that a proper understanding of what you're telling us father yeah absolutely. at least one aspect so number six examine your conscience for no longer than three minutes a day and for no longer than about 10 minutes before you go to confession of course examining your conscience is a good thing we want to be able to do that and be able to highlight those times during the day that we have failed the lord However, the Fathers of Mercy give kind of a a little time limit if you have scrupulosity that they say three minutes is enough for the day, because we can go on. I mean, somebody could go on. It would be unending. You could spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes going through every little ounce of your day, and again, that can just be so tedious and so heavy for the person. And it says 10 minutes before confession. I'd like to think that was a good, that's kind of a, a benchmark, and I have to admit to myself, sometimes I can go a little longer than three minutes each day, and that's when I have to remind myself to kind of back off. I allow the Holy Spirit to highlight those areas that He wants me to bring to confession. This and, is an area where the what-ifs, the if-this-then-that's, and the yes-buts come mm-hmm. in, because it, oh, yeah. you have to put—I I like that time limit for some people, and if they can stick to that as, as their goal, because there's, again, unending— if this, then that's, mm-hmm. or yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, or what if, what if, what if. And that can suck the life just out of you. Suck the drain life you, drain you. You don't even know what you were first going to confess. I, mm-hmm. I would think you could just lose what the original sin was, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Lose I don't, sight. I could see where I could have a tendency towards some of these things, but I think any person maybe could relate, but it's the degree. It's the degree and in the intention. Is it love or is it I'm trying to get this right so that I can be forgiven kind mm-hmm. of a thing overall? It's just kind of the sense that I'm I'm getting. I think this is this is very helpful, actually. Just, just fall from, into a little bit of like a Pelagianism, kind of just save myself. Yes. If I analyze everything to the nth degree enough, then I kind of become my own savior, right? Right. And again, there's a pride coming in and that lack of of trust and confidence in our Lord's mercy. That's right. I much prefer that. <clears throat> Absolutely. Number seven, <laughs> if you've prayed at the time of temptation, you can be sure you did not commit a mortal sin. I, I like that one because especially when it comes to, for example, impure thoughts or angry thoughts uh, towards another, people think just because I'm having the thought, period, or it comes into my mind, I've, I've fallen into grave sin. Mm. And I often tell, no, the thought, the initial thought is temptation. How we respond to that thought, again, going back to the grave sin, do we will it? Do we entertain it? Or do we? how do we respond to it? And I usually tell people to invite Jesus into the thought, 
invite our ladies. Then you've prayed at a moment of temptation, right? Whether it be in prayer or wherever you may be that may trigger an impure thought or, or a thought of anger towards another. Those are just temptations right there. How am I going to respond to that, right? Am I going to entertain it or am I going to let invite Jesus into it? You know, sometimes people will try to stuff it, quote unquote, um, and I tell them, don't try to do that because it'll just fight back. But if you're calm and say, this is a temptation right now, I'm now turning to the Lord. I'm inviting Jesus, come into this thought. I invite Our Lady into this thought right now. They know you have a thought. It's not like you're hiding it from them, you know, not to be ashamed of it. But to yet invite him in and say, I don't want this thought right now. I don't will it, but I just give it to you. And I said, what you've done is you've turned a temptation into a beautiful prayer, you know, a moment of much grace. But the very fact that the thought comes into your mind is simply a temptation from the beginning. It's how I love that you made the point. It's a the first thought is a temptation. It's how we respond. That's how we respond. And we have lots of options. They're very holy. Exactly. With grace. Exactly. Like I said, those can be just moments of prayer, you know, that we offer up. And so invite him in and let him know very clearly, be very open and vulnerable to the Lord. I have this thought. I don't want it. I'm inviting you into the thought. I'm not ashamed of it because you know I have it already. Exactly. I'm just simply willing you into it. And so that just changes everything. And you will find the thought will just dissolve away. Just dissipates, right. But the more we try to fight it, it's almost like the more we give it the intention that it wants. Right. It makes a wound it. and it gets nasty yeah. and it gets bigger and it gets yucky. And we don't want that. Church teaching is that we we should, you know, pray all day, pray never pray unceasingly. Mm-hmm. Well, one way that we can pray unceasingly, you know, temptations happen at various times all day long. When you you just mentioned turning that into a prayer by how we respond to that, that's one way of praying all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way. Absolutely. You know. And it's a moment of grace. Yeah. It's a moment of grace. Um, I like that. And how to respond to those, because we're all, we all get them. We all get those. Our minds, they think as our heart beats. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so we, we'll have those impure thoughts or uh, angry thoughts or whatever thoughts that are um, certainly not of, of God, right? As St. Paul says, to think of all things holy and honorable. But it's how we respond to those thoughts that, that can make all the difference in the world. Um, we're we're going to get them. And so I think some people come in thinking, because they're having this thought in the middle of adoration, they're just this horrible mm-hmm. person. And I'm going to tell everybody you— everybody can see this. See, they all looking. see it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They're very exposed and vulnerable. And, and that's it's important for us to know that temptation is normal. Jesus yeah. himself was tempted— and even to be tempted in that way in mass, to be tempted in that way in adoration, is part of our battle, if you will, part of our journey as human beings. And it's not because you're just this horrible person and this pious person next to you who looks so much holier than you, all these thoughts that go through our mind. They're definitely not having these thoughts that I'm having, you know. Those are the the lies that will fall back into just binding us and enslaving us. And if we can recognize, you know what, I have this thought, Jesus, and I'm just going to let you in right now and give it to you. And and after all, you already know. And by the way, you created my brain. That's right. So <laughs> you already know how it works. Like that is just, <laughs> and you could just see the difference between 
the latter and the former response I just said, you know, where one's this person is so much holier than me. Like, I cannot believe I'm having this thought right now. You're such a bad person. How that is binding as opposed to, Lord, I have this thought right now. I'm just going to give it to you. I'm inviting you into it. Our lady, you come on in and I don't want it. And so I'm just going to let you have it. And there it is. You can just see the difference in Mm -hmm. freedom, you know, versus enslavement right right there, just in the way that we respond to those thoughts within our yeah. mind. Amen to um, that. So yeah, if you go, number seven again, if you have prayed at the time of temptation, you can be sure you did not commit a mortal sin. Number eight, if you have a history of scrupulosity and you have made a general confession at some time in your past, do not make another general confession. Once a month is a good norm for the frequency of a regular confession. The general confession is that real big one, like the lifetime. Going back, right? Yeah, it's going back and confessing everything you can remember in your life. Kind of on the fence when it comes to this, because of if somebody is scrupulous, I don't want them to go back to rehash those things. Yeah, you have. I I think that would be a real big discernment, Father, Mm -hmm. with someone. Yeah, this would be a walk with a because I know uh, some of the saints. I believe maybe. St. Francis of Sales may speak of general confession, but you take that with a grain of salt and you need spiritual guidance in in doing a general confession, you know, before like a big threshold, you know, before I'm getting married or yeah. ordination or some kind of big threshold you're about to cross in life. However, I really caution people from doing that, uh, especially if they've had a past of scrupulosity. Yeah, um, I mean, I could see, I be, could see where that would be an individual discernment between you and that person and... I mean, I could see where it could really be the undoing of someone because mm-hmm. a whole lifetime, if mm-hmm. they're just focusing on this one thing that just happened today to the nth degree, do you know oh, what I mean? Goodness. It would just be, completely it would actually be very them. unloving. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Completely unravel. I could see that happening for certain folks. I sure could. Uh, so number, And it says once a month for a frequency of regular confession. That's usually what I tell people, you know, if they're serious about their spiritual life. Once a month is a good norm. Again, some maybe a little more than others versus some a little less than others. It, it really, it's not a cookie cutter, but that's kind of the, uh, the norm that I, that I give people. I usually, myself, I go once a month, sometimes twice, but rarely any more than that, you know. I'm a once a month uh, or two. Yeah. All right, number nine of the top 10 commandments uh, for those who struggle with scrupulosity. Number nine, um, if possible, go to confession to the same uh, confessor priest. I think this is just part of this priest knows me and they can give me a little bit of counsel and guidance based on, you know, based on my history and based on knowing my heart, as opposed to a priest who doesn't even know who you are. It's hard to, if you're seeking a little bit of counseling in confession, uh, that would be a way and, and seeking to overcome the scrupulosity. They can kind of hold you accountable, right? And I've done it. I've done it to mm-hmm. people and say, you know, when I have them stop and just stop right there, you know, like whenever they just keep going on and on and on and on and confessing a lot of things that are not sins, I'll have them, I'll make sure that I can stop them. Number 10, finally, most importantly, cultivate a humble heart by complete obedience to the direction of your confessor. Be patient with yourself. Love is the goal of all our lives. We've mentioned a lot of that. It is important to remember that scrupulosity stems from one's personal pride or arrogance. That's not always the case, but it can be a pride or an arrogance. As though the scrupulous person holds this personal opinion, I have a higher norm than most uh, normal people. Going back to what it said here about 
being obedient to your direction of your confessor, that's big because sometimes we think, oh, that's too easy. That penance is too easy. I'm going to do 10 rosaries instead of one decade because I'm just that much better. And I'm holding myself to this great standard that's far greater than any of these other, you know, it's just, just to be obedient. That's what are you going to do next time? How are you going to top that? You know, I mean, honestly, it's hopefully we can see that there's no end to this and this divine mercy, (laughs) y'all. I mean, the sacred heart of Jesus, divine mercy. Yeah. So father, this is, this is really good. I, I have some things that I would like to contemplate further in my own prayer this has been very excellent, and I think we need to hear more about scrupulosity. I do hear some of your brother priests, whether here in in our own diocese of Baton Rouge, but also uh, priests around you know the country that are talking more about this. I think it's a real issue um, yeah. in our day and time. This harshness with ourselves, these broken God images, broken images of ourselves, and I think this was a really good. You know, we like our checklist, don't we? Our top 10 tips. Well, this is the 10 commandments for those who struggle with scrupulosity. So I want to thank you. This is really good stuff. Thank you so much for all the Paul Gross. 